Hello, you're listening to 37th in the World, the official podcast of the Georgetown Journal of International Affairs, the flagship academic publication of Georgetown University's Walsh School of Foreign Service. On 37th in the World, we dive into crucial global trends and speak directly with experts working on issues ranging from security to the economy, technology to society, and more. My name is Leah Favero, and today's episode, we dive into the implications of the Israel-Hamas conflict for Saudi Arabia's diplomatic ties with the United States, with Georgetown University's very own Daniel Byman. Aside from serving as the director of Georgetown's Security Studies program, Professor Byman has published over 20 books on conflict and counterterrorism in the Middle East. He is a senior advisor to the U.S. State Department and other high-level policymakers, serves as a senior fellow for the Transnational Threats Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, and formerly wrote for Brookings Center for Middle East Policy. Thank you for joining me today, Professor Byman. With the context of Saudi Prince Mohammed's previous steps towards stabilization of relations with Israel in mind, how do you feel that Hamas's initiation of the attacks on October 7th, as opposed to Hezbollah, will alter the previous trend towards recognition, if at all? So there was a genuine question on whether Saudi Arabia and Israel would normalize relations. And it was far from a done deal. I think in the aftermath of October 7th, people sometimes overestimate the the probability, but it was at least plausible. Part of that was premised on the idea that the main focus in the region was Iran and that Saudi Arabia and Israel would be working together uh, to some degree against Iran and, and relatively openly. Saudi Arabia working with Israel, despite its animosity towards Iran is still a very big deal in the Islamic world. What would this look like? Why would they be willing to make this compromise? The Saudis would ask Israel to make a gesture on the Palestinian issue, but it would be a relatively minor one. And that way the Saudis could say, look, we asked the Israelis to do something, and the Israelis could say, it's nothing that significant, and obviously a normalization with Saudi Arabia is a big prize. In the aftermath of the Hamas attack, all this changes. The focus shifts. Where now the regional discourse is not about Iran. The regional discourse is about Israel and its campaign in Gaza. And for Saudi Arabia to associate itself with normalization with Israel is associating itself with the killing of huge numbers of Palestinians. And no Saudi government can accept that. No Saudi government could accept a modest um, Israeli effort. So at the very least, in the coming months, it derails. Now, could they pick it back up in a year or two years? I think that's quite plausible. I want to circle back again on Saudi Arabia and Iran as historic enemies. How does this rivalry complicate Iran funding the attacks on Israel through Hamas? From Saudi Arabia's point of view, Um, Hamas, as a political Islamist organization, is actually seen as a threat. Saudi Arabia has worked to undermine the Muslim Brotherhood government of Egypt, eventually leading to a coup. It's opposed political Islamists elsewhere in the Muslim world. So Saudi Arabia actually has a lot of reasons to dislike Hamas. Saudi Arabia is hardly excited by Hamas's progress, but at the same time, it can't do that openly. 
So I think that, that for Saudi Arabia, the Iran factor simply adds to a cause it didn't like in the first place. And having a regional adversary support Hamas is yet another reason that Saudi Arabia is concerned about Hamas. But right now, Hamas has captured a lot of Muslim and Arab opinion, and it's hard for Saudi Arabia to openly go against them. How significant a role is the Sunni versus Shia element of Hamas and Hezbollah? Do you think that Saudi Arabia's reaction would have been different if it had been Shia Hezbollah in, instead of Sunni Hamas initiating the attacks on October 7th? I don't think it would have been a huge difference other than to reconfirm for Saudi Arabia how aggressive Iran is. Not just that Hezbollah is a Shia Muslim organization, it's that Hezbollah is exceptionally close to Iran. Now Hamas is also works with Iran, but the degree really matters here. But I'm not sure it would have made a huge difference because an attack on Israel historically has transcended sectarian lines. So when Hezbollah has fought Israel, such as in 2006, it had a lot of popularity outside the uh, Shia community with many Sunni Muslims supporting the group. So more likely than not, had the attacks been at the hands of Hezbollah, there would have just been a heightened awareness of Iranian strength, but not likely a different outcome for Saudi Arabia's relationship with Israel. What do you predict for Saudi Arabia and U.S. relations moving forward in light of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's step back from previous intentions to normalize relations with Israel? So it changes the agenda. The goal before October 7th was what does Saudi Arabia want from the United States in order to normalize with Israel? And a lot of Saudi Arabia's goals with Israel were really about the United States, getting a U.S. security guarantee, getting U.S. support for a nuclear program. Now it's getting Saudi Arabia to support whatever outcome might de-escalate the Israeli-Hamas violence. And so what's being asked of Saudi Arabia is different. And the broader emphasis of U.S. regional policy, which was very focused on Iran, is now much more focused on Israel and the Palestinians. I see. So a past normalization of relations was closely linked to U.S.-Saudi common interest against Iran, whereas now the United States wishes to seek a resolution to the Palestinian-Israeli conflict with Saudi Arabia which is far more difficult given their now more complex interests and goals. What will likely become of the Saudi request for U.S. nuclear cooperation? So this was always a question mark. To help Saudi Arabia, or really any country, with its nuclear program was a, was a very big deal. Very controversial. Yeah, exactly. And so it was unclear to me what the Biden administration was going to do with that request in the first place. And to me, that was one of the bigger asks the Saudis had. I think right now, because normalization is off the table, in a way this issue goes away for a while. But it's something that the U.S. has to think about for the long term, because I do think there's at least a possibility that normalization may be in the cards a year from now, two years from now. It can't be in the cards when the Palestinian issue is front and center. But if it again moves to the back burner, then this request will come up. Do you think that the United States would support a Saudi nuclear program in an attempt to mitigate what they feel is a common root issue or Iran? I would say the U.S. policy is that sweeping. I would say the United States sees Iran as a hostile actor. It also doesn't want the United States to be tremendously active in every part of the Middle East. So the hope is that U.S. allies, especially powerful ones like Saudi Arabia and Israel, 
might work together and in so doing take some of the burden off the United States. And at the same time, it's beneficial for both of them would be the argument that uh, peace or at least some degree of normalization would be a good thing. Thank you, Professor Byman, for meeting with me today to discuss the implications of the present situation between Hamas and Israel on Saudi Arabia's foreign relations, particularly for shedding light on the nuances between Hamas and Hezbollah. From a United States standpoint, Saudi Arabia would hopefully in the near future reconsider normalization of relations with Israel. Though, as Professor Byman highlights, conflict with Israel supersedes sectarian lines between Muslims, and so therefore exists no attack on Palestinians, which the Saudi government could possibly condone. The latest updates on the situation in Gaza include the Israeli Defense Minister's announcement of a third phase of their war on Hamas, which will supposedly include more targeted strikes. Moreover, no Palestinians will be permitted to return to their homes in northern Gaza until all of the nearly 130 remaining Israeli hostages are safely released. This was 37th in the World, the official podcast of the Georgetown Journal of International Affairs. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment and rating on whichever streaming platform you use. To support the podcast, you can click the link in the podcast description that says support the show. To read other insightful interviews and articles, please check out gajia.georgetown.edu.